Hi, this is Andy McCluskey from Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, and you're listening to PX Tape Recorder. PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, it's Tom Bailey from Thompson Twins. It is in a way, and it's partly because I'm, I'm kind of going into it with my eyes open, whereas, whereas back then it was just something that developed into that kind of uh, touring monster. And I, I secretly always enjoyed it. I think perhaps more than the others, because you know, it's pathetic in a way, but all I do is music, and that's my thing. It's interesting, uh, we had a discussion around the house here a couple of weeks ago, a uh, fangirl nearly lies on my wife and I about uh, who our favorite bands were, and uh, one or two for me, easy, if you've listened to the show with any regularity, OMD and the Beach Boys, and then I think number three, wow, that could be anybody, a lot of 80s bands qualify, uh, Human League, uh, Heaven 17, ABC, Depeche Mode, uh, New Order, uh, Thompson Twins, of course, are in that conversation. And then, of course, uh, there's some contemporary groups that might even fit in there as well. Uh, Churches, the 1975 killer. So, uh, But anyway, Thompson Twins, for sure, one of my all-time favorite bands. And uh, very excited to talk to Tom Bailey. I haven't talked to him in like 25 years. I think I mentioned that in the uh, interview when I got him on the phone. But um, So we have that. We have another installment of Facebook Not Factbook in the dumb bit section of the show, and the song of the week is from Purple Disco Machine, Trust Me. I really think you're going to dig it, but first, let's get to that dumb bit. Seems like we've been doing a lot of these lately, but gosh, when you gotta, you gotta, it is time for... It's Facebook, not Factbook. So, going through Facebook, somebody had, I don't know if this was actually an actual post or was a reply to somebody else's post, but there's a picture of Donald Trump in a limousine with a young blonde girl, and someone has written, I don't know if it's written under the post or actually on the picture itself, here's Donald Trump with a young Russian girl, and uh, Lord knows what he did with her, and, all that. and then someone pointed out, I don't know if it was a Trump supporter or not, it was a bunch of comedians that were in this discussion, by the way. As someone pointed out, uh, golly, that looks an awful lot like Ivanka, his daughter, when she was young. And uh, so I looked around the internet. This isn't a thing. This isn't, so there's no mystery a fairy out with some young Russian girl. It, 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 all indications are that actually is a picture of a young Ivanka. They're just hanging out in the limo together, as wealthy people will do. And, um, but I was thinking, you know, I remember that another time I saw uh, on Facebook or somewhere or both that, uh, I don't know, some idiot said that, oh, if Donald Trump, you know, if that Vanka wasn't Donald Trump's daughter, he'd probably be dating her. And who was it that said that? Oh, yeah, it was this idiot. I said that if Ivanka weren't my daughter, perhaps I'd be dating her. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I did look that up, and yeah, there's there's nothing to it, and it's not a thing. But uh, that, that uh, he did say that, by the way. That is a thing. And uh, anyway, just another reminder that, of course, that... It's Facebook, not Factbook. Tom Bailey was the driving creative force in Thompson Twins, uh, along with Alana Curry and Joe Leeway for most of the band's run. Uh, they created some of the most well-known new wave hits of the 80s, and even it'll work into the 90s. Here now is our interview with Tom Bailey. Hello, Mr. Bailey. Speaking. P.F. Wilson from uh, Pop Culture Beast and uh, Associated Papers. I'm supposed to do an interview at 3 o'clock. Fantastic. 
where are you speaking from? I am actually from uh, calling you from Cincinnati, Ohio. Huh. And uh, the last time I spoke to you was 27 years ago after you had released <laughs> Queer. I was trying to remember. I had to look it up, see what album was out at that time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, good to talk to you again. Yeah. Um, is it okay if you use the audio for this on my podcast? Sure. Awesome. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, of course. Well, I don't know if you remember, probably not, but um, a huge fan of yours and uh, your associated bands, largely Thompson Twins, obviously, uh, from back in the day. And uh, I got to say, uh, an album that's really important to me, I would still say, is Sidekicks. Uh-huh. Yeah, taught me a lot about music. I didn't realize until I started listening to all the remixes and how it was all put together. I'm like, oh, wow. It just really, and then right at the same time, I was just getting into music. You know, it's just one of those albums that uh, really stuck with me. Right. Yeah. So, so what decided to? I know uh, Howard Jones kind of was had a part in this, but what really got you kind of back out on the road and back uh, doing music again? Well, I mean, I can look for explanations, but I think the time had just come, you know, and for sure, I. You know, having avoided pop music for so long to do other things, it almost became a kind of denial of mine <laughs> that I couldn't go back there, you know. And um, I, I was really um, not expecting to. And then and then I did a record with a, um, just one track with a, uh, Alex Fintech is a Mexican pop star. And that kind of... Um, made me realize that I really enjoyed it. And then, and then actually, yes, Howard did say, do you want to come and do some shows in America? So, it, it, you know, it caught me at the right time when I was thinking, you know, I haven't done this for so long. It's actually great fun and I enjoy it. And, it, and in fact, there are special skills involved in pop music that aren't really employed elsewhere. So it's good to stretch that muscle if it hasn't been used for a while so, uh, what were you doing before, like in in your time off from pop music? Oh well, l- lots of um, other projects, but n- none that were anyway kind of mainstream um, culture. So, um, kind of underground things like dub projects and North Indian classical music and some film music and a bit of production for other people as well. Okay. So these kind of things um, don't kind of go. They don't appear in the charts. You know, yeah. So everyone thinks, oh, he's been taking it easy, lying by the metaphorical pool for 40 years. <laughs> so when it comes to writing writing the new stuff, did it all kind of come back easily the way you used to write in the old days, or did you kind of have to like kind of get that exercise, that muscle, and kind of monkey around a little bit, or how did that all... You know, it's, you know, it's an old friend. It's, it's like they say, it's like riding a bike. You, you pick up where you left off. I think... You know, if I hadn't done any kind of music, I guess, for 30 years, then maybe it would be difficult. But, you know, my musical skills are still being employed on a daily basis. So it's really just a decision to look at the particular disciplines of pop, as I say, you know, because it is a very demanding form. You have to get it very concise, very direct, and very um, very attractive. Otherwise, it, it just doesn't work. You know? So... And, and, and curiously, I, I, I immediately discovered that I enjoyed that. So it's certainly hard. I'm not saying it's easy, <laughs> but it seems like a familiar process. And I am kind of picking up where I left off with pop music. I haven't really, 
I don't think I've really listened to much contemporary music and thought, ah, that's the way I'd like to write a song. But um, it, it, it hasn't um, influenced me too much, I don't think. Do you listen to any contemporary stuff? Like, ever pop Not on? Only really by accident or because, you know, other people are listening to it or whatever. Okay. Um, I, I, I t- t- tend not to have the time to seek it out. And it's partly because a lot of um, contemporary pop music, anyway, um, I'm talking specifically about kind of chart band pop music, doesn't speak to me in the way that it used to. You know, it's... Uh, a, a lot of the subject matter seems kind of faux in a way and I, I, you know because there's a poetic element to it you've got to trust where that's coming from and uh, many many times I just think well this is all very interesting and it may have a catchy rhythm but it's just someone talking about um, I don't know some relationship thing in order to get likes on a social platform. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. It's kind of vacuous to me, whereas I thought pop music at its greatest was about changing the world for the better, you know. So you, you call me naive, but that's what used to motivate me. It still does, actually. Yeah, so, I, can, I can see that. Um, so we saw you the, the first time uh, around when you came back with Retro Futura, uh, you, Howard, Major, uh, Katrina, and, and China Crisis. Great to see those guys. I'd never seen them alive. And... Um, I only had one complaint, and I told my wife this. I'm like, Love on Your Side is always the last song. <laughs> I know Hold Me Now is the big hit in America, but uh, Love on Your because of seeing that, I saw you guys on the, the Gap. first time I saw you was on the, the Gap Tour in Pittsburgh in 1984. And see, the, the, la- the encore live was just mind-blowing it's to this day. Uh, yeah. It's one of my favorite live performances ever. Yeah, yeah, so... Um, well, I mean, I don't know why that is. At, at the moment, actually, we're we're opening our set with "Love on Your Side." Um, <laughs> oh, that's going to completely so, screw me up. <laughs> and finishing it with "Home Now." So, I mean, but things change, you know. Yeah, we're, yeah. The the main problem with organising set lists is how much time we have. Yeah. And um, when we're playing at the moment with the B fifty twos and Culture Club, there isn't much time. So, um, I basically have to you know check a few boxes and play the hits. Oh, sure, sure. That's for sure, and if I can, I'd like to include some new stuff as well, but if I only get 45 minutes, then a, that really limits how much new stuff I can put in there, because if it means dropping hits that people have come to, to hear, then I get into trouble. Yeah, well, I mean, and and, and yeah, yeah, I understand you're not the headliner, and I'm not mad at Culture Club. I My friends always liked Culture Club growing up. I was fine with them, but really, I'd rather have it switched if it was up to me. <laughs> Rather have yeah. you be the headline, <laughs> and they be the support. But again, it's just it did just never took. And I like all the bands from that era, but just for yeah. some reason, it 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 just never took with them. Like certainly did with Thompson Twins. Um, right. So yeah, well, I mean, look at it this way: it's a good lineup. That's oh yeah, yeah. Triple bill, and it brings a lot of people in. You see, so yes, um, it makes it possible for us all to tour together. Yeah, and, and the and the bees are phenomenal live, of course. So yeah, and of course. It's, it's, you know, people look at that lineup and they think, oh, it's going to be a party, and it is. Yeah. So I guess is it more fun? Because I know you lamented back in 1991 when we were, back we were discussing that the whole uh, kind of arena rock thing that the Thompson Twins fell into, it kind of got a little distracting and made it not so much fun, and you know, it, it kind of really affected the you know the, the the band and the way it kind of ended. Is it is it more fun now though? Kind of the pressure's kind of off. 
and you can just enjoy it? It is in a way, and it's partly because I, I'm kind of going into it with my eyes open, you know, whereas, whereas back then it was just something that developed into that kind of uh, touring monster. And I, I secretly always enjoyed it, I think perhaps more than the others, um, because, you know, I'm, I'm pathetic in a way, but all I do is music, you know, that's my thing. It kind of interested me that when, when the band split, that Joe and Lila hadn't really pursued music at all. You know. For them, it was just a convenient medium for some other creative satisfaction. But for me, I love it. So I, I get a kind of more fundamental and profound kick out of getting on the stage every night and making music. It's just a, a wonderful thing. And uh, as I say, now I'm, I go into it with my eyes open. I think, you know, we're all a little bit older and wiser, so we pace ourselves. Certainly. Um, I, I know I've read that uh, where you're still friendly with uh, Alana. Um, do you uh, see Joe at all when you go to Los Angeles? Hardly ever, you know. It's a sad thing. He lives um, way, way down south of the city, and I've invited him to concerts, and he hasn't been able to make it and stuff, you know. So, obviously... I'd love to see him, but it's, it's difficult. So, when you put this new band together, um, how did you how did you find these folks? Did it, were, had had they known of Thompson Twins? Uh, I'm kind of playing the instruments they do. I, I, I reckon they would have had some notion about the band. Well, um, you'd think so, wouldn't you? But not necessarily. I mean, yeah. you, you've got to start with the fact that some of them weren't even born when those songs were recorded. Wow. <laughs> so. You know, they haven't grown up listening to that stuff. It's a, it's a kind of new experience for them. Um, um, my band is all female still, but the personnel has changed quite a bit because of availability. Um, but I'm just so lucky. I have amazing musicians to work with. Um, we actually have a new bassist, um, Vicky Warwick, and she only joined two concerts ago, and it already feels like she's been touring with us for 10 years. You know, These people are so clever. I'm, I'm very specific about what I want them to do, you know, so I'm very clear. Um, it's almost like the parts are written out for them to study and get right. And so it doesn't take much rehearsal for us to be on track. Um, and if they have some kind of empathy with the music and, and the ability to play it, then it, it goes very well. Had any of them been familiar with the word? Because, you know, my daughter is going to be 21 in October, and she knows, you know, a lot of that music from us, but also likes contemporary stuff. She actually has a pretty wide range of tape. Both my daughters do. So they, they know of Thompson Twins. And uh, even though my one daughter's favorite is actually The Clash, going back even a little bit further than you. Well, I mean, they're obviously lucky enough to have parents that were playing them the good music. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, of course. Uh, that doesn't happen every time. And uh, But, I mean, nearly always, every every musician has a story about hearing music in, in their family home. And... Uh, uh, but it doesn't necessarily include what, what I've done in the past. So the point is we have uh, an interest in a shared love of music in general. And, and and part of putting a band together like this is that we teach each other stuff and we learn from each other. Um, the, uh, one of it, my keyboard players, although she's not going to be at, at, at the, these concerts coming up, is Amanda Kramer, who also plays in the Psychedelic Trust. Now, she was around, obviously, in uh, the old days, because she was an information. I was going to say, yes, yeah. Well, there you go. Well, it's so, good to see she's still um, around. So she was very familiar with the Thompsons catalogue and um, was really looking to get kind of stuck into it. Wow. And, it. and it's always great to have people who 
you know, have lived through the era, but also young ones who are kind of wide-eyed with excitement about it all. Yeah, it's interesting. Amanda Kramer, she was kind of uh, in the business right about the time that Queer was out and stuff, and you guys were kind of getting, a, I mean, be a little disillusioned with the thing. Um, a lot of keyboard bands were coming out in America, uh, T for Two, Information Society, Red Flag, and they all knew each other, but it was right before grunge shit. And when it did, it just steamrolled all those guys. And uh, yeah, we, for a while, keyboards were, were not fashionable. <laughs> and people like Oasis and, and grunge were. But if you, if, do you think the technology is coming around again. Does it does it come in cycles like that? You think? Oh yeah. I mean, it, it's always present. And it's just a question of where the focus lies, I guess. You know, but there's always room for keyboards because I mean, the reality is that so many records are made with keyboards as the main instruments. Um, te- technology has been an enormous boost to the making of music, and it's also democratized it. You know, because um, the way in which we can now make records in our bedrooms. Instead of begging for Simon's studio, yeah. <laughs> so it's had an enormous effect, and you... certainly, I mean, that's the, the history of the Thompson Twins is explained. You know, the moment of success comes because of te- technology becoming within reach. Suddenly, we could afford synthesizers, and uh, that's what changed everything for us. Uh, yeah, I love the the. Uh, you ever watched the documentary Synth Britannia? It was on BBC. I saw some of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, I, as I think about this, as I just said that, I realized at the very end, they kind of got a little dicky with you and Howard Jones because they were saying there were, there were too many keyboards. But then they talked to the Pet Shop Boys, who I love, but I'm thinking, wait a minute, you can't hammer Howard Jones and Thompson Twins and then turn around and say, oh, but the Pet Shop Boys. Yeah, that's a, that, I call foul on that one because, like I said, Sidekicks, my God, that's one of the best electronic albums ever. And I would consider the Gap one too, but you went back to doing. Uh, there was some guitar on that, and stuff like that, so it's not truly a purely electronic album. But um, to that end, do you have a preference of guitar over keyboard? I mean, I know you kind of are more known for keyboard work, but you started as a guitarist. Well, no, if I recall. I mean, I'm a better keyboard player than a guitar player. Okay, so, but on stage, I like to play the guitar because it's more a visual thing. Yeah, it, it seems to communicate the drama of the situation. Um, it fulfills that potential more easily. I do both, and we have we have three keyboards on stage, which are played at various moments by different people. Cool. Um, a lot of the time, I'm you know I'm out there facing the audience with a guitar. Oh, <laughs> uh, was it? I don't know. I wanted to ask you. Was it? I, I had read this before the uh, r- the first Retro Futura tour you did. That you didn't even own any Thompson Twins music. You didn't have any lying around. Did you have to go out and buy it on CD or something? That's to, and- right. Yes, and it's a kind of funny thing that. I tell that story because just to show how out of touch with my own past I was. And, um, I think I did have a CD case, but it was empty and it <laughs> just showed that no one really cared. Oh man. <laughs> In my house. Wow. <laughs> at least. Um, and I did, did have to go out and buy one because people wanted to know what songs I was going to be singing and I wanted to know. And so I thought, well, the best thing is to go out and buy a greatest hits or something. Yeah. Let the, uh, let the, uh, the the reissue market <laughs> lead the way yeah. <laughs> in some curious way. Well, I know uh, it wasn't a single, but always a popular song, If You Were Here, made it into the set list for that particular run of Retro Future. Oh. Were there other songs that you wanted to do that you kind of looked at and go, well, people might not be too familiar or this might not work as well live that you did that are oh, favorites there's of always your... those yeah so, I mean the one I had a struggle with was uh, Lay Your Hands on Me and I in that retro feature I didn't want to do it 
and then subsequently came to terms with the song again, and now I really enjoyed playing it. So uh, I've included that in the, in the list this time. It wasn't here. It wasn't in last time round. That's yeah, and there's, of course there's the two. The Europeans are more familiar with the uh, the first release, and of course we in America are here more familiar with the one that ended up on Future yeah, Days. It changes according to where you are. I mean, I'm in Canada at the moment. Yesterday I played in Quebec, and mistakenly played "If You Were Here," thinking it was going to go down really well. In fact, no one really knew that because the Sixteen Candles movie, I guess, was never translated into French, and so oh. they never hmm. saw it. <laughs> it didn't huh. mean anything to them. Um, whereas you just cross the border and suddenly it's like one of the biggest songs ever. So it's a weird thing. Yeah, that is strange how um, you guys are kind of one of those. Uh, there are some bands are like The Fix that are British but are more popular here. You guys are popular on both sides of the Atlantic, but weirdly, not all the same songs were hits. Yeah, which, yeah, right. yeah and so that's, so do you, do you have to kind of change the set list when you do shows in Europe versus, or are oh, the people that come yeah, familiar enough that no? I mean, I, I did it kind of instinctively anyway. Um, but sometimes, like my manager checks out what chart positions each song got to in the different countries. <laughs> and said, you got to do this one because it was a big hit, you know. So uh, I'm helped in that decision making. But um, again, the, the the really big problem is how much time you have. Uh, yeah. You always want to kind of shoehorn as much um, important stuff into into a small space. Uh, another weird one I was just thinking, uh, you're with my other favorite 80s band, you were with OMD in Europe, and I thought, I, and again, I like AHA just fine, and I had to look it up, I'm like, I guess they had a lot more hits in Europe, they had like two here, and then they had loads in Europe, but I still thought, you know what, I still think you should reverse the order of that, and have the Thompson Twins and OMD switch off headlining, because, I don't know, I, it just seemed weird. You know, you, we have a common culture in a way that another the, the taste yeah. very widely. That's true. They, I mean, they, uh, the thing is that that their one enormous hit kind of eclipses everything else. It does, uh, and I never get tired of that tune, to be honest. Don't, don't take on me. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a tune. That's a band who partly um, trade on being uh, like um, they were pinups at the time, you know. So true. They have a lot of. Um, a woman who's grown up just being in love with them, you know, so they'll go to any concert and hear any music by them. It doesn't matter how many hits they had. Um, and and on that basis, they'll sell a lot of tickets. Yeah, and he can still hit the notes too. So good, you know, good on him. <laughs> I mean, I was I was interested to see that they didn't try to be a pop group so much. You know, they were very much more kind of techno art band. Uh-huh, when when I saw them live, um, they they were almost shrugging off their pin-up appeal and just uh, doing, doing the musical thing, which is correct, I think. So any chance we'll get a headlining tour from uh, Tom Bailey maybe 2019 with the, the yeah, new stuff coming out? chance, but it's not really down to me. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm keen. I mean, having toured so much this year, it may not be 2019, maybe, maybe I have to give it, uh, give it a couple of years. But it all, it all depends on the offers we get, you know. Um, I mean, at this stage, I... I don't want to be agreeing to long touring schedules that lose money, you know. It's oh, yeah. So I have to be realistic and say, well, if the offer is good, I can think about doing them. Well, um, well, otherwise, there are other things I have to do, you know. Well, yeah. I have a life in Europe and in New Zealand that I want to attend to. So, um, so I won't tour unless it's a compelling, uh, compellingly attractive idea. But, 
I'm out here at the moment doing 85 concerts this year. That's more than we used to do. Oh, yeah, that's that's a ton. Jeez, because I forgot so, about that European you know, tour you were doing. <laughs> I have to yeah. say, it's not as if I'm taking it easy. Uh, well, great. Uh, last thing, I'll, uh, I won't keep you any further. Uh, if you could, but I'd, I'd like to, if you could do for me a, a liner like you used to do in the old radio days, just say something okay. like, uh, "This is Tom Bailey, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder." That's the name of the podcast. Did you say PF's Tape Recorder? That's correct. Okay, here goes then. Hello, this is Tom Bailey, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Perfect. Well, thanks, man. I uh, really appreciate it. We're going to try and get up to Dayton. It's actually about an hour and a half away from us, oh. and it's my daughter's first day of school that day. Oh. So, yeah, we might not be able to make it up, unfortunately. It's a great venue, though. You're going to love it. It's outdoors in this park, and uh, the, the crowd was great last uh, when we saw the last Retro Futura tour there with uh, English Beat and, and, and Howard and all them guys. So, uh, mm-hmm. so I think you're really going to enjoy it. You're going to have a good time. Fantastic. Well, it's great talking to you. Good talking to you again. Thanks a lot. Thanks for calling. Thanks, Tom. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Tom Bailey for being on the show. Uh, I believe that Culture Club and B-52's tour has wrapped up, and Tom, as I think he said in the interview, because I'm doing the wraparound here afterwards, and I haven't uh, re-edited the interview yet, but I believe uh, he is off the road until sometime in 2019. He's going to try to get this new album out, so he is still active and doing stuff, and he said it's just like riding a bicycle, man. So I'm anxious to hear uh, the new Tom Bailey stuff. I think some of it is actually out if you want to, like, uh, he's doing a pledge music thing, I think, and I think you can, if you donate a couple of bucks up front, you can get some of the tracks now. So maybe I'll do that. All right, so that brings us, let me see, to the plugs. Uh, check, check, hey is the blog you need to go check out. That's Fangirl's blog and the Nearly Lies, a YouTube channel. Here you go, simple enough. And while I'm at it, uh, if you're uh, in the southwest Ohio area, go to Cincy Shirts, either physical store or the website, and buy some shirts because uh, I need you to do that. That's the day job, and well, we... I could use my bonus, thank you very much. Uh, if you're outside of Cincinnati, go to OldSchoolShirts.com. We have shirts from all over the country. Defunct teams, stores, all kinds of fun stuff from a bunch of different cities around the U.S. Do check it out. Uh, I'll try to get you a promo code next time, and then you guys can take a couple of bucks off it. Although we've discounted a lot of the stuff there already, so uh, do enjoy. And now that brings us to the Song of the Week. Song of the Week is by Purple Disco Machine. Here's what I know about Purple Disco Machine. Not a lot. He, uh, I guess, is a German disc jockey remixer. But anyway, this tune is uh, doing very well over in the UK. I have not heard it on US Top 40 radio, although I haven't really listened to a lot of uh, US Top 40 radio. I drove my wife to work this morning. First time I think I've heard US Top 40 radio in quite a few months. But in any uh, case, uh, the song by Purple Disco Machine is called... The song is called Dished, and in parentheses, Male Stripper. And uh, Purple Disco Machine is actually a gentleman named... And Purple Disco Machine is actually a gentleman named Tino Piontek. And he is actually from Germany. He's from Dresden, Germany. I looked that up. I paused and looked that up real quick. And you'd probably... I bet you didn't even notice. Anyway, and as far as I can tell, look this up too. The song is not charted in the U.S. It is not charted in the U.K. But the, they're hitting it really heavy on uh, BBC Radio 1. Uh, last I saw, it was in heavy rotation uh, on Radio 1 anyway. And you know me. I'm not a throw-your-hands-up-in-the-air kind of guy. But in controlled doses, I like me a good DJ tune. And this is certainly one of them. Uh, again, this is Purple Disco Machine. Dished. It's our song of the week on PF's Tape Recorder. So long and thanks for listening.